Hello, everyone, and welcome to my podcast. This is the Coffee and Books Podcast. I'm your host, Scott, where we talk about different books, everything under the sun. Today, we're going to be talking about the lo- wonderful, lovely game that is called Chess. Yes, you heard me right, Chess. And today's book is The History of Chess, and it is awesome, epic in proportion. Oh, we have so much to talk about today. But anyway, if you're new here, hi, my name is Scott, and I like to talk to you about everything that I can ever think of, any book that I'm currently reading. This is part two of my series for this week. The first book we did was called Pachinko. Uh, this book is called The Immortal Game, uh, which is the history of chess and 32 pieces, and we're going to talk the, about the full title now, so bear with me. The Immortal Game, A History of Chess, or How 32 Carved Pieces on a Board Illuminated Our Understanding of War, Art, Science, and the Human Brain by author David Schenk. It was published in 2006. Uh, this is the uh, blurb on Goodreads now. We're going to talk about it. Um, also, before that, it got a 4 out of 5 on the Goodreads list based on the list of average reviews. We're going to be talking about what my review is at the end of the podcast. But before we do that, uh, be sure to hit the like and subscribe button and be sure to share this podcast with a friend. I want to get this podcast out there to as many people as possible. Do you know a chess lover? They'd probably love this one podcast. All right. The blurb goes like this. Why has one game alone among thousands of games invented and played throughout human history not only survived but thrived within every culture it has touched? What is it about this 32 figurative pieces moving about at 64 black and white squares according to very simple rules that has captivated people for nearly 1,500 years? Yes, you heard me right, 1,500 years. Uh, Why has it driven some of its greatest players into paranoia, madness, and schizophrenia, and yet it is hailed as remarkably powerful intellectually as a tool? Nearly everyone has played chess at some point in their lives. It rules and... Pieces have served as a metaphor for society, influencing military strategy, mathematics, artificial intelligence, literature, and arts. It has been condemned as the devil's game by popes, rabbis, imams, and lauded as a guide to proper living by other popes, rabbis, and imams. Marcel Duchamp was so absorbed in the game that he ignored his wife on their honeymoon. Caliph, or Caliph Muhammad al-Amin lost his throne and his head while trying to checkmate a courtier. Ben Franklin used the game as a cover for secret diplomacy. Um, in his wide-ranging and ever-fascinating examination of chess, David Schneck uh, gleefully unearths the hidden history of a game that seems so simple yet contains infinity. From its invention somewhere in India around 500 AD to its enthusiastic adoption by Persians and its spread by Islamic warriors to its remarkable use as a moral guide in the Middle Ages and its political utility in the Enlightenment to its crucial importance in the birth of cognitive science and its key role in the aesthetic of modernism in the 20th century art, as well as to its 21st century importance in the development of artificial intelligence and use as a teaching tool in inner-city America, chess has been a remarkably omnipresent factor in the development of civilization. Woo, that was a lot. All right, so what that basically means is chess is the meaning to life. I think so after reading this book because it literally can be used for so many different examples. How many of you have heard any book description that even remotely captures that? It's been, like I said, argued over by multiple world religions and people all over the world. It, it spread through every single country, and we're going to talk all about that today, how it got its start, where it's from, and why it's played pretty much everywhere to this day in the planet. 
All right. So, uh, like I said, it started initially somewhere in India. We don't know exactly for sure. We don't know if it evolved from other games. It's believed to come from India. It could have came from China. It could have came from other places. But India actually gets credit for this one um, around the 500s and ADs. Uh, like I said, um, or Common Era, for those of you who use Common Era. Um, this book, like I said, was written in 2006, so you have to give it a little bit of slack. All right, so what that means is that, long story short, this game became very popular in India, and it spread along what we now know as the Silk Road and other trade routes uh, through into the Middle East. It spread very rapidly because it was a, such a popular game. It was popular because it was easy, it was accessible, the masses could play it, the leaders could play it, it was in sign of intelligence, it just spread like wildfire. And unlike other games, it spread partially because of the rise of Islam. Islam, which grew to basically have a massive empire within itself before it divided and became other different kingdoms, was partly the reason why it spread so well. It was adopted by the Persians, and when you know the rise of Muhammad happened, this is around the same time as chess. So the disciples of Muhammad and basically people who were Muslim actually took that with them when they were going to other parts of the world to bring under Islamic rule. So places as far away as Spain, as well as Europe and other countries in Africa, you know, like Egypt and Israel and what is now Jordan, Saudi Arabia, all the Middle East, up into, like I said, China, all these places came into contact with this game. Uh, they played it. And then, like I said, from Spain, it spread north into Western Europe. And basically, during the medieval times, it became very, very popular as well. It was even during the Crusades that the Crusaders also played chess, not even realizing that it was popular with the Muslims. So, having said all that, it spread like wildfire to every country. Everyone played it. It became a huge, huge success. Um, and there are just legendary stories that involve chess throughout all of time and history. Uh, some of those include when Christopher Columbus was about to ask for permission from the king of Spain to set sail into the New World. He asked him supposedly after he won a chess match. The king was in such a good mood, he granted this favor to Columbus. And, of course, we all know what happened next. Columbus went to America. Um, you know, there were stories, like I said, we have a wonderful story of multiple chess players that have done crazy things, like on their honeymoon, ignore their wives, ignore uh, other people, uh, develop madness and hysteria and schizophrenia and all sorts of dark, interesting things that happen with the mind. And, of course, it led into the evolution of politics. People like uh, liken chess to religion, they liken chess to philosophy, they liken chess to things like political nature and, you know, the government. Um, you know, it was a very aptitude thing for the United States to compare itself to chess. Um, in fact, some of the things that make me laugh about chess is that it sort of evolved over the years, but has stayed the same. A great example of this is in India, the knights were actually war elephants, which makes complete sense because that's where that came from. Um, and in the United States, when chess first became popular here, instead of a king, you had a president, which made complete sense because that's how we view our political system here in the United States. Uh, but over time, you know, things evolved. Like the queen got more and more powerful as a figure uh, because of different things that happened in history. For instance, uh, the queen became to be seen as a leading figure behind the king, uh, specifically um, Queen Isabella, you know, during, like I said, Columbus's time, uh, you know, as well as 
you know, Mary, Queen of the Scots, as well as Queen Elizabeth, um, different queens that were powerful throughout history inspired the queen piece in chess. Um, and like I said, over time, the rules evolved, changed. Um, the idea of chivalry, um, the idea of just so many different things, science, math, and even artificial intelligence can be talked about in this way. Um, which is insane to me that this one game has affected so many people in such a positive way. Um, so you might say, well, how does it mean for, or why does it have artificial intelligence or how can it help artificial intelligence? Chess is actually a tool that many scientists use in the creation of artificial intelligence, uh, mainly because it's something simple for a computer to understand. Um, and what's also amazing about chess is that the possibilities are near limitless. Um, it, there's not even a computer to this day with all the supercomputers that we have that can actually calculate all of the possibilities for every possible piece in chess. That is how many different games can be played in chess. Um, it's believed that thousands and thousands of people have lived throughout history of played chess and that there are many, many more to go, many different types of games. So much can happen. There are people that are famous for blindfolding themselves and playing chess. Uh, chess has supposedly been the difference between kingdoms going to war and having peace. Uh, chess has meant, like I said, the enlightenment. Uh, like people, you know, used it as a source to understand their role in society. Uh, you know, like for instance, everybody thought of the pawns as, you know, these people that represent the caste system, uh, you know, and the king always being in top. But then at the end of the day, um, you know, for instance, somebody who's religious might argue, well, everybody goes in the box at the end of the day. Everybody um, goes to the same place when they die. Uh, you know, that is something that was argued in religion using chess as an analogy. Uh, chess is popular in movies, uh, in books. It's, like I said, throughout history, it's just everywhere. Um, and this book is a fantastic job of summarizing the importance of all those things. Um, what it also does simultaneously is walk you through one of the greatest games ever played. And uh, it is very unique and it is very exciting. I didn't even know that... ESPN, for instance, broadcast chess games, but I do now because of this book, that that was a thing that actually happened. Um, you know, if you've watched the movie The Queen's Gambit, you can get a really good feel for how chess actually is. I am an avid chess player myself. I did not realize the special history chess has with, like I said, different religious groups and figures, not just Jewish, but many, many different groups of people have argued throughout all of time. Uh, whether or not chess is a moral tool or if it is a distraction from religious life or life in general. Uh, but basically, if you have somebody who's really good at chess, it does prepare you for multiple things. And these are those things which we're going to go over now. One, it definitely helps you prepare and strategize. Um, it is a thinking game. It is not a game you can necessarily bluff your way through, but you can bluff in chess. Uh, so it is similar to poker in that way, but it is a game not of chance, so you don't use dice, you don't use anything. You basically have different pieces that you use to complete different th rules. Uh, for instance, a pawn can only move one square at a time under normal circumstances, and it can only attack diagonally. Um, and you have, of course, other pieces such as the rook, which is like a castle that can move vertically and horizontally. Um, you have a bishop, which can only move diagonally up and down in as many spaces as it can. You have a queen, which can move in all directions, uh, going forwards, up, down, diagonally. And then, of course, you have the knight, which makes an L shape uh, with its two spaces and one over to the left, right, or down. 
Um, you also have, last but not least, the most important piece, which is the king. And how you win in chess is you have to entrap the king, but they can no longer move. And that is the goal. That is the end game. That is how chess works. Your, your sole purpose of the game, everybody starts out equal. There's different strategies and how people play. It's all about strategy, and that's what makes it fascinating. I used to think that being unpredictable is how many people would win chess games. Um, that is not true. That is what many novices think, um, including myself, I thought until recently. Now I understand that chess is all about seeing how your opponent will react to what you're doing and planning moves ahead of time in advance. And it's incredible to watch, uh, to see people counter and think in that way. Um, it's very mathematically sound and pleasing. Um, it's also very difficult to do because uh, to play oneself in chess is to have two different minds playing. And that's why I think there's a huge reason why there's there was a lot of schizophrenia um, that is shown to be Unfortunately, a side effect of people who are very good at chess often suffered from schizophrenia. That doesn't mean that you had depression or mental illness just because of that. But um, it's important to note that many very famous players throughout history did have mental illness, but were also very good at chess. Um, it affected art. Many people saw chess as a way of advancing their careers, but not just their career politically or not just their careers in art or not just their careers in science but in all different aspects. That's what chess has done for mankind. But most, most recently, uh, chess has helped people like who are struggling, like inner city kids in the United States or people who are poor. It gives them a form of entertainment. And then also, like I said, is a sign of intelligence. So it often helps people plan and strategize and think for the future. And it's said that if you do that from an early age, it's about the time you're an adult, you could definitely work your way into being a smarter, intelligent individual. Um, and so many grandmasters start when they're very young um, and they play endless hours of chess. And I'm sure, as you know, if you put more hours into something, the more well done you'll... The, the more... I'm trying to struggle with my words here, but basically, if you are spending all of your time playing chess, you're going to be one of the best chess players in the world. Uh, famous chess players, of course, include Bobby Fischer, which you might know about. Uh, like I said, if you want to know more, the best example of an entertainment aspect I can value in a movie is The Queen's Gambit, which is only available on Netflix. That's what inspired me to read this book. Um, and yeah, that's everything for this episode. So if you like today's episode, please share with a friend. Uh, please go out and play a, a game of chess with somebody you know, and uh, I'll be free if you guys ever want to play a game. Thank you for listening.